RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. You might remember a few weeks ago we had a health hacks program with Dr. Glenn Davies and we talked about cancer. And the issue came up, among other things, of radical remission from cancer. It sounds, well, amazing, really, radical at least. So what is radical remission from cancer? Justine Laidlaw, the natural bird, um, is here to tell me about and tell you about radical remission from cancer uh, as a holistic cancer coach and advocate for integrative approaches to healing from cancer and chronic illness. Justin's, Justine's mission is to help individuals explore their options, make informed decisions and reclaim their power in the healing journey. Justine, welcome to Reality Check Radio. Thanks for coming on. Thank you, Paul. It's an absolute privilege to be able to be here and inspire everyone else that there's so much more to healing than just what our conventional system will offer us. So looking forward to sharing this time with you. Thank you. And yeah, we've kind of been on a bit of a journey of that. Well, I have anyway, uh, from Mr. Regular turn up at the doctor's take the prescription guy to, mm. wow, just realizing there's a whole whole new world. Though I kind of knew it because I do know a little bit about radical remission from cancer, not so much you know, spontaneous remission or suddenly it's gone and, and all the experts are confounded, but coming out of the cancer process in the best shape possible. And I, I, I got a feeling we're going to touch on some of that in our chat. First of all, what is radical remission when it comes to cancer? What does that actually mean? It sounds radical. Yeah, it does sound radical. And it's actually a phrase termed by a woman by the name of Dr. Kelly Turner, she has uh, been involved in the world of cancer for many years and was helping people process their psychological needs um, as they were going through whatever treatment they were going through. And she was quite inspired to find that there was thousands of cases actually documented in medical journals, but none of this had really been um, aware for public use really as to, you know, people had no idea that these cases even existed. And so a radical remission essentially from her research is, is based on a patient who has either declined any conventional treatment and healed, or they have um, taken the path of conventional treatment and, to, and also looked at the alternatives or the complementary therapies alongside it to get themselves into remission. Or it's patients that have used, um, you know, a combination of conventional or they've, you know, looked at where they've basically had a prognosis that gives them less than a 25% five-year survival rate. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, um, I come into, I think, the last category. What's your, what's your story? <laughs> Let's hear your <laughs> one. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm pretty similar there. Um I was diagnosed with a very aggressive colon cancer um, 10 years ago. And when I was initially diagnosed, um, my intuition kicked in loud and clear. And the first thing it did for me was to say, stop and wait and breathe and do some research. So initially I declined um, surgery. And I gave myself three months to see what could I do to improve my situation. Mm. And in that three months, um, unfortunately, I was getting worse. The cancer had metastasized and it had spread outside of the colon. 
and had it moved into my, it had consumed my ovary, my stomach muscle, the small intestine. Um, and it was, I was in a bit of a bad way. So it was like I had to surrender to surgery to get myself out of the woods. But my intuition was just so loud. And, and I guess that's because previously to that, my father had been diagnosed with colon cancer. And he was given a pretty poor prognosis as well. But he was really um, pressurized, I guess, into taking the conventional path of, of treatment. And he went through six months of chemotherapy. And at the end of that six months, the cancer was back. And so that made me kind of like, well, hang on a minute. You know, what else can I do to improve my healing chances and outcome? So after the surgery, I was waltzed into the oncology office. And you know what that's like. It's all pretty doom and gloom when they start talking about statistics. And so they said to me that I had a 16% chance of surviving five years. Okay. And I had a 50% chance of surviving if I took the chemo and radiation. Already they're trying to sell you the, the conventional <laughs> stuff, right? 50%. Yeah. Yeah, woohoo. Do the math. Had to sit there and go, my God, only a 50% chance of surviving five years. It's interesting you mentioned those percentage figures because for me, the um, primarily it was radiation treatment, but I was told there would be a 7% advantage taking the, the, the chemo course that went with the radio course. And I was and I thought at the time, how do you know it's seven? seven. <laughs> and where'd you get that from? It's exactly. Like 7%. Well, they're running through a supercomputer or something. I don't know. Exactly. I know. I had the same thing with that 16%. I mean, how the hell did they get that? But anyway, they did. And it was really interesting in the oncology office because I said to him, you know, if I don't do anything, or well, what else can I do to improve my health outcome? And he couldn't offer me any options. He said, no, you know, for your age, you need to buy yourself some time. You've got time to, you know, sort yourself out. But um, what was really fascinating was he said to me, if you believe that the chemotherapy will work for you, then it will. Placebo. Placebo. And if you believe the chemotherapy won't work for you, it probably won't. Right. And that was my gut. My gut at that time, I had lost a ton of weight. I was down to 45 kilos. And I remember my husband saying to the oncologist, you know, do you feel like it would be a better option for Justine to put 10 kilos on before she has this chemotherapy treatment? And he said, no, there's no time. We need to get it now. That um, I already knew with him that I wasn't going to do the chemo. It right. was just an innate wisdom that I thought, no, I've got to look at what else I can do. And I guess that's because I'd had a background in, in pharmaceuticals and then also in natural health. Right. So, you know, over the years of seeing what was going on pharmaceutically with people um, potentially getting more and more medications, it made me kind of go, hang on a minute, there's got to be other alternatives to get myself into a better state. So that's what I did. I had to embark on you know, what could I look into doing as part of this? But you did your own research. That's that's dangerous. <laughs> well, I did and I didn't. I have um, some amazing people around me. One of them was a naturopath who practices in Taranaki and 
she said to me, look, I really feel like you should go and see this naturopath in Auckland. And his name was David Holden. Mm. Um, and he was uh, pretty amazing. And I went to the Global Health Clinic in Auckland, which um, was a bit of a life saviour, really, because I can remember ringing them at like five to five on a Friday afternoon, thinking that I'd just get a an answer phone message. And I explained to John, who's the director, I um, said to him, look, this is my situation. I don't want to go down the path of chemotherapy. What can I do? And he just said to me, Justin, you'll be coming to the right place. We can help you. That moment on, it made me realize that I could just stop and surrender and relax and focus on whatever they were going to look at doing for me. That um, I remember the moment when I when I was told, well, actually, they got it wrong first. The initial diagnosis would have had me. I wouldn't be here now if that was the accurate one. Turned out to be not that serious. But I do remember, you know, sort of hearing hearing it being told to me, and it's quite a moment, isn't it? It's a, I, what was it like for you? It was a bit of a stunner for me. I got over it pretty quick. Like you kind of said before, like, okay, what does this mean, boy? What are you going to do? But just hearing it, it's like, yeah, suddenly time. You, you even look at time different really quickly, like, okay, do I have to get everything I ever wanted to do done in about six months or a year? Yeah, exactly. You know. I guess for me, um, yeah, it was a real shock, but I knew something wasn't right. You know, leading up to that diagnosis, yeah. I was constantly fatigued. I was having problems with constipation. I never had any blood in the in the bowel at all. But the reality check of, bang, you've got this diagnosis, I wasn't too concerned about the prognosis. It was that diagnosis that hit me like a ton of bricks, obviously. Mm. But it took a wee while for me to process that shock. And and I think after about week three or four, I, I was in a much better headspace of, right. I've, I've got this. And I had this really deep innate belief within me that it wasn't my time to go yet. I really You're right about that. <laughs> <laughs> totally. I really felt like, no, I've just got to get my body back into balance. I've got to look at what I need to do to get my body in a healthy state again. Mm. And, and I knew lots of stuff in terms of, um, you know, going through it with my father, having colon cancer, I, I actually reckon this is a really important part, but I, on a daily basis, would say to myself, oh, my God, I hope I don't get cancer. Okay. And I feel that that energy, that message that we send, every cell in our body is listening to what we have to say, and I believed I set myself up. Now, um, on a physical level, that might sound crazy, but what I've since learned is that when we uh, get into a place of fear, that suppresses our immune system. It lowers our whole energetic vibration. And so if we can shift that vibration up into a place of acceptance straight away and then work out how we're going to get through this and go forward and shift that vibration into belief, I think that's massive. Mm. I'm getting back to the placebo effect. You're describing, we are describing what the placebo effect is essentially here, aren't we? That's what it is. That's what it is. That's why it's 14% efficacious. 
<laughs> I struggle with that word. I don't like it after all the medical talk we've been doing on, yeah. on pharma, pharma drugs. But that is essentially what it is. Yeah. That's what drives it. It's got to be, right? Oh, absolutely. Well, you know, you've only got to listen to the likes of Dr. Bruce Lipton, who says, you know, who's an epigeneticist. He talks about the biology of belief, that every cell in our body is listening to our thoughts. So, you know, we can set that up. We can actually make ourselves sick. The issue is, though, for people, we're so in the thinking, um, because it's been around for so long and we've seen our own relatives and, and people we know suffer and die from cancer over the years, that there's really only one way of dealing with it, and that is chemotherapy, surgery, and radiotherapy. And I'm sure there'll be others in the future as they invent them. But that's the only, well, that's the main concept of the treatment. And if you get it, that's what you expect. So first of all, there has to be some awareness and people have to get over the, th the thinking, don't they, that this is somehow sort of woo-woo. Because it's not, I can tell you it's not. Yeah, it's it's not woo-woo. And I think we've we've got to be really mindful of those thoughts and what we listen to and believe in. So if the oncologist says to you, you've got six months left to live, how many people do we know that have died six months later after that's the cue? That's the cue to think that way. Yeah, it yeah. really is. Well, so maybe that's the first thing they should change. Stop giving durations up front. Yeah, yeah, I really do. And I think, you know, you know, I feel like it's Cancer is no longer a death sentence. It's um, it's a wake-up call. And there's so much more that we can do to take an integrative approach. Now, in my work, I have seen this again and again where people have um, been given a dire prognosis and they have gone and done all the conventional treatment and without making any other lifestyle changes, they have a recurrence. Yeah. Yeah, so you're just holding it back in that situation. You're not dealing with the actual problem. Um, so what does radical remission involve? So if we look at the research from Kelly, she went around the world studying patients that had completely reversed their condition, so reversed their disease. So literally being told there is no evidence of disease in their body, but she wanted to know what they had done towards their healing. And it's looking at, you know, what sort of integrative approaches did they take? But it was more about what she realized is that what people did to empower themselves and make changes for themselves so over the years, she found out that there was 10 common factors that everyone was doing. So even though when she was researching people and she came to New Zealand to interview patients um, and their healers, but she wanted to know specifically what had they done. And there was over 75 different things people had done. But once she analysed the research, the commonality of it was that there was these 10 common factors. Now, what is fascinating is only three of those 10 are on the physical level, meaning that they radically changed their diet. So they looked at um, the key things there around the diet was that they were massively reducing their intake of sugar and processed foods. Why am I not surprised to hear that? Yeah, exactly. Well, we know sugar is a driver of inflammation. Yeah. Um, and we also know that um, cancer cells have glucose receptors. And yeah, they, they're voracious. 
glucose consumers. Feeders. Yep, they oh, love yeah. Yeah. Like a wild animal loose in you. <laughs> Absolutely. Feral so they're, animal. you know, massively changing their diet. They exercise was vitally important. So moving the body. That also increases oxygenation in the body. So there's a lot of evidence to show how important exercise and oxygenation is as part of healing. And so the third one was using herbs and supplements. So looking at where people have become deficient, so looking at um, blood tests to see what is your vitamin D level like? So one of the common things we really see in New Zealand is that most people that are diagnosed with cancer have really low vitamin D levels. Ah, there's that vitamin D again. Uh-huh. It's coming up all the time for everything. It sure does. And we've seen that even with people getting really sick with COVID, you know, vitamin D has played an immense role. And so, like, so for myself as an example, when I was diagnosed, like I'm a sun bunny. I love sunbathing. I love to be in the sun. But my vitamin D level was 45. And the normal range should be more like 150. So how did that happen? I think it's all because of the message of slip, slop, slap. Oh, okay. You know, that we're covering ourselves up and not exposing our skin to the sun um, and particularly our belly. Um, but maybe we're just not metabolizing it. Why, why the belly? Because of the surface area or, or what? Well, if you look at it energetically, uh, that's the solar plexus in terms of that's where the sun shines in your body. So your tummy ah, is okay. very much about an area that we can convert the vitamin D or absorb it in through the skin of your belly. So ideally, we need to be exposing our whole body, not just our face and our arms to the sun. I hate to think the amount in litres of, of slip, slop, slap goes on every year. <laughs> With barrels and barrels as far as you could see, loads of it. Um, yep. Again, everyone signs up for it. Everyone signs up for it, but what they don't educate us is that that is actually reducing your body's ability to convert vitamin D into a utable source. So it's a massive problem. But so is things like uh, selenium. You know, in New Zealand, our, uh, our our basically our ground is very deficient in selenium. So the farmers know that. You know, they supplement the the cows with selenium and iodine, etc. And right. those are two really important minerals for cancer prevention as well. So we're just not getting enough in our diet. So that was the um, herbs and supplements with radical remission is looking at correcting nutritional deficiencies, also looking at supporting the rest of the organs. So things like detoxification and boosting the immune system. So a lot of herbs and supplements that people are you know, advised to take to get that immune system working are vitally important for the recovery in cancer as well, not only to correct the nutritional deficiencies, but to actually help our body cope with the conventional treatments because we certainly know that the conventional treatments um, are amazing at shrinking tumours, but at the same time, they're quite detrimental to the immune system. Yeah, yeah for sure they are. Mm. Um, in fact, uh, you, you've basically got to... Um be very careful of going anywhere when you're on chemotherapy in case you, you pick up the slightest thing, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah. All right. So when when you get together with someone who wants to proceed this way, how do you get them into the right headspace for it? Or are they already turned up kind of in the right headspace? That's why they're there to see you. How does that work? 
Yeah, well, most people are really looking for hope and inspiration. And I think, you know, when I work with clients, they 100% walk out the room filled with hope. And, and I think that in itself is massive. You know, if we're given no hope, then what does the mental attitude do to that? It just spirals downwards. So the first thing it's about, you know, giving people um, the understanding that there is so much more that they can do towards their healing. And, and if I go back to the likes of those radical remission factors, the other seven that we haven't covered yet are about empowering themselves. So people like going, hang on, what else can I do? What else can I search and, and look at? And, find out about. So it's about really shifting from being a passive patient into being an assertive person and, and looking outside the square because mm. we are pretty narrow with what the conventional medicine toolbox, uh, tool, toolbox is. You know, we can look at what else can we do towards that. So taking control of our health basically or I like the analogy of being the CEO of your own body. Yeah, you know? I know that one. <laughs> Commander in chief, actually. <laughs> President. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm Take the boss. Back, you know? I own you and I'm the boss and you do what I, I want. Yeah. Absolutely. With respect. <laughs> yeah. Without being an angry patient too, though, because that doesn't really get us anywhere. It's to cut step into that place of, you know, self-empowerment as to what innately feels right for you. And, and I think part of, you know, what I'm doing is giving people um, or helping people to really listen to their intuition and what absolutely resonates for each of us. And the other thing I really try and get people into a headspace of or a mindset of is that healing is possible we've just got to change the terrain and how we've got here. So how have we got here? You know, it's looking at um, not only nutrition and herbs and supplements, but what, what are the stresses that we have been under and where have we become out of alignment with our soul's purpose or our spirit? Because... And that's the voice you're talking about, the intuition you're talking about. Well, that's the intuition, yeah. You know, intuition can be loud and clear and knocking up your door, but you're not listening. Do you think it always knows the it's truth, the, the actual yes. thing? Yes, I do. Hmm. Yes, How? I do. <laughs> ah, that's an interesting question. It's that inner voice. It's keep nudging you. And, and if you're not listening, it's going to keep facing something else at you. I think it's the, you know, the universe's way of getting you back into alignment with what your bigger purpose is and what you really want to be and do. Because how I guess, you know, so many people get out of alignment of where they're heading and, and they've, their intuitive voice is telling them what they need to do, but sometimes they're just not listening to it. Yeah, well, um, without making it about me, just quickly, um, I went through the conventional stuff, but I also overlaid that with no supplements, and I was being fed on liquid because I couldn't swallow for about three months. But um, I did feel compelled to, like I sort of joked with before, commanding my body, like I was some sort of general pattern or something, 
to do. And I didn't have to say, well, you need to do this, you need to do that. I said to it, you know what to do. So I'm expecting this of you and clean it up and did that over and over again with really what I thought focused intent. And is that kind of where people need to get to? That's just me, my, my bit, but a version of that? Absolutely. I feel like we've got to step into that belief and know that you can heal and whatever it takes to get you there. The power of the mindset is vitally important to really step into that place of belief because that is holding a resonance in the body. It's constantly sending you those messages. Must get frustrating for it when people don't listen. For God's sake, listen. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's a really tricky one because you can't say that everyone can step into that place. You know, people still want to do all the physical things that they can to, you know, improve the healing outcome. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I believe mindset is massive, you know, looking at that belief system um, and stepping into that. So And again, that's, you know, exactly what we've seen from Kelly's research is that people have stepped into that belief and, you know, looked at what else they can do. Um, And, you know, following your intuition is just just super, super important. I just so, I can't underestimate that really. You know, we, we all know, we all innately know what it feels right. Like as an example for People um, with this whole COVID vaccine situation, you know, people innately knew whether it was right or wrong for their body. That's true. That's mm. totally correct, I think. But you're not, if you're not listening yeah. to that voice, yeah, you can get into dangerous waters. Well, of course, you know, I think um, at the end of the day, we've all got choices that we can make. We can choose to look into something further and explore it and be well informed, or we can choose to have ignorance in many ways mm. and and just go with the flow. So, you know, I'm not someone that can go with the flow. Um, I'm someone that's like, no, I want to be in control of what goes into my body. And um, and that's why for me, it, chemotherapy just didn't feel right. It felt like to me that it would kill me. And I had to listen to that. Yeah. Well, that's a, that's a, that's a big call. So you need to listen to that. People, <laughs> uh, people get the, you know, they start off on this journey with a sense of hope, a spike of hope that they get from initially. So, and then you've got the various regimes that, you know, that they carry out. How long does it take before you start to see some sort of improvement in things? And I mean, you'd feel it yourself, wouldn't you, if you were feeling better and better? Well, how long does that process take usually? Well, I guess how long is a piece of string, right? <laughs> well, you don't want it to get too long because it, it, the, the other side of the equation is it could get worse yeah. And you, you might have lost some time you could have otherwise have bought. So that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Yeah. I, I hear you. It's it's something that, you know, normally when people get first diagnosed, one of the first things they do is make massive changes to their diet. Um, and usually even just a dietary change can make them feel a hundred times better um, yeah. 
straight away. You know, if you look at, say, the likes of what Dr. Glenn Davies is doing around changing the food for people with type 2 diabetes. Reversing it. They're reversing it, you know, getting people off the refined processed foods and into the, say, a ketogenic type diet. Um, it's having a massive effect on people with metabolic disease. Now, now, cancer is a metabolic disease as well. So if we apply that similar principle, then we are starving the cancer of its fuel source. So there's, there's massive changes that can happen quickly. The other thing is, like for myself, um, I was chronic fatigue after surgery. I had absolutely no energy whatsoever. Now, when I went to the clinic in Auckland, they introduced me to a therapy called ozone. Ah, I've never yeah. heard of it before in my I, life. I, I, I've heard of that. Yeah. But not had and, it. And, and it was a, a process where they injected ozone gas into my vein. Wow. Took over a period of 30 minutes. And after doing two intravenous ozone treatments, I felt like a new woman. Crikey. I believe it. My energy was just like, whoa, what just happened? Gee, okay. Something in that then. So there really is. And so what we're seeing is that some of these integrative therapies are having quite a consistent effect on people's energy, particularly things like intravenous ozone intravenous vitamin C. So that can have a really fast impact on people. It can just give them a sense of energy again, because a lot of cancer patients are quite tired. Um, and I feel like, you know, that can make quite significant changes. But when people step into that and explore what else they can do, then the healing can happen a lot quicker because they're taking an active role and in, in looking at what else they can do. And so that, that can change. So like if we were to look at, there's a difference between a spontaneous remission and a radical remission. Yeah, yeah. A spontaneous remission is, my goodness, you know, one day they've got a tumour and the next day it's just disappeared. Now, there's plenty of those cases out there, but a radical remission is when people are actually taking um, their own concerted effort to make change. And we'll often hear that statement where people say that, my God, in some ways, cancer's been the best thing ever because it's given me permission to make some real key lifestyle changes. I, I'd, I'd agree with that. I'd go along with that. Um, what's happening with spontaneous remission? That must be explainable somehow as well. Is it more like a turbo steroids version of, <laughs> of ra radical remission? And it must be like a miracle's happened to you. Well, I would say it is like a miracle. I mean, there's, I guess, where I can refer this to, there's a, there's a book called Dying to Be Me, and that's been authored by uh, Anita Mojani. Now, she was riddled in tumours, and she had a near-death experience. Now, her background and history, she had a lot of stress and frustration with her father around belief systems. She was a, you know, in, in the um, an Indian culture. And when she had this near-death experience, she got this profound insight of pure love from her father. Wow. And she came back 
and recognize that that was all she needed was this divine love and that shifted the whole vibration of her body and literally once she came out of like a coma all her tumors just started shrinking and just disappeared yeah that's quite a common experience with near-death experience i won't say sufferers because they don't suffer they don't like coming back it's so good um but uh, that that pure love sense of pure love and it's profound for them when they come back to life yeah that you know they, they really can't almost can't find the words i've watched quite a few people talking about that yeah all right so um but that would be uh, amazing like next day you turn up to the oncology uh office and hey it's gone yeah absolutely <laughs> well we need to check amazing. our instruments something's wrong yeah. here so and, and, no no carry on and there are you know there are some amazing incredible cases out there you know there's a there's a woman in taupo who um was stage four told she could have palliative care only who um, really had a divine faith in God and she just needed um, a bit of an insight as to what she could do and she got a clear message that we can help you heal, meaning God will help you heal, but we just need a medical strategy. And so for her, it was fasting and keto. Now, she had other pre-existing conditions, but she had massive tumours all through her cavity and her chest and wall and and um, and the lungs. And within three months of doing this fasting and keto and a divine faith and healing, her tumours disappeared. Yeah. It's just incredible. So I think we can't underestimate the power of faith and belief, whatever that looks like for each of us, doesn't really matter. And in love, like that's such a high vibration as it love. Is. It's the highest. Yeah. So the and top. That's, um, you know, happiness and joy and peace are really high vibrations. And I'm, I'll never forget when I went to an energy healer, she said to me, all these emotions carry a frequency and a vibration. So if we were to hook you up to a machine and you were feeling shame or guilt, then it would measure megahertz at a really low vibration. Whereas if you were feeling in a place of absolute pure love, it would be a vibration of 500. Wow, yeah, huge diff. Yeah. And, and she said to me that cancer can't survive in a vibration of 500 or more. Okay, so keep it up there and you're... Yeah. You know, it's not, it's a lot easier said than done, right? But, yeah. you know, it gives us such an amazing insight as to how our emotional body plays a huge role in this healing outcome. Yeah, it's just getting to that thinking. That's it's shifting that, that mindset. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if people could do that in their everyday life, they'd probably prevent all these things or, or severely prevent them. Look, if, People are listening and they're in this situation or you never know, someone might get some bad news in the next few weeks. It happens. What's the best way to explore this route? Well, I think um, for a start, I'm always at the proviso is search out the survivors, work out what the heck they have done. And there are so many healing stories out there, like the book called Radical Hope by Dr. Kelly Turner is a, just the most brilliant resource 
it's sharing a number story, number of healing stories from New Zealand as well. So again, that's giving people really hope. Um, it's also about talking about who are some integrative practitioners that they could look at to take a holistic approach. You know, talking, I mean, a GP sometimes doesn't even know who these people are and who are out there, but it's to research what else is possible in the world of cancer to what other alternative treatments are there available. Um, I help people navigate the world of ozone therapy because it helped me so much. I now help people set up ozone machines in their home. Oh, so wow. that's a, you know, a therapy that is used in a lot of the integrative practices overseas, not so much in New Zealand. In fact, we could probably count on both hands as to how many ozone doctors we've got in New Zealand. Um, however, it's starting to become more and more popular now. And I work with one here in Tauranga, so there we've got integrative practitioners all around the place. There's a lot more in Auckland than there are the rest of the country. But people can um, connect with me and I can help them navigate what else they can do. I also, you know, help them by giving them a free 15-minute phone chat just to give them a head start, really, as to where else they can start searching. Yeah. Also looking at maybe if, if they've got a naturopath or a herbalist in their area, um, look at energy healing. Energy healing is, I believe, the medicine of the future. It's looking at, you know, clearing blockages in the body. So it's maybe looking at practitioners that are offering those services. But basically Googling holistic, alternative, integrative, using those words yep. as part of their research to see who's in their area and what they can do towards their own, empowering themselves to, you know, bring back that belief and look at what else that they can do. And you're at uh, thenaturalbird.co.nz. People want to go and um, jump on the website and obviously contact page there. I was just thinking, and Glenn and I have talked about this before because he's got this vision for the you know the new health system that we've talked about. Yeah. And um, and thinking back to my experience, I wasn't given any of this information. No one said any of this was available. I wasn't curious enough to go and drill down for it at the time. That was 10 years ago. But I wasn't told any of this stuff. It's about time, isn't it, that that part of the options or, or the consultation outlaying the options when you get this sort of news has to now include more than just the mechanical things, right? Uh, without, without a doubt, I just really wish that this would improve in our system. It's well behind the eight ball. Um, we've got a very limited toolbox in the conventional pathway and I think it's starting to change but it's a slow burn mm. you know we have got a lot more integrative practitioners but it would be wonderful to see um, this integrative model come into mainstream medicine well where... especially as people are on waiting lists and in some parts of the country the postcode health system you know you could be waiting longer than your window for um, for survival, let's say. So yeah. why not throw anything you can at it? Absolutely. I mean, just from that thinking. Well, I think we've got to take a shotgun approach. You know, we just can't take it with one bullet, right? It's got to be looking at what else can we do? And that's the approach we need to take because I just see too much of this, this cancer coming back. Um, also, so it's the return, the return of cancer, which yeah. tells you that the original reset hasn't been made it, you, know, it, you haven't yeah you haven't changed it's probably going to just keep coming back that's right that's what we keep saying 
So we've got to look at, you know, underlying changing that terrain. Um, yeah, and I just wanted to also, you know, for people that are listening, there is so much hope out there. Part of, for me, my bigger purpose going through a cancer journey itself was when I was going through this and only taking a natural approach to healing, it made me think, my goodness, you know, there needs to be more of more people out there to help us navigate, you know, how we can make these changes. So it gave me a sense of purpose. It made me realize, my goodness, I need to help other people navigate this. And so that gave me my a, a real sense of purpose and wanting to, to live. Um, I couldn't have children. I, you know, I don't have children to focus on because a lot of people's reason for wanting to still be here is to see their can, you know, grandkids grow up and get married. I didn't have that. So it was about trying to find out what else can I do. That drove me to go and spend time with Dr. Kelly Turner in New York. So I spent, you know, several weeks there learning about these 10 key healing factors so that I could bring that back to New Zealand. And we've actually got five people in New Zealand now that are presenting this information. And, and I'm doing that all online so people can connect from all over the world. And um, I take them on that deeper, deeper dive journey so that they have got powers to, to make changes. I tell my mates, you haven't lived unless you've had cancer. <laughs> you haven't lived. Yeah. Uh, look, honestly, look I, I see it as, you know, a blessing in so many ways for me personally. And I think most of us will have got something out of the journey, whether it's made new friends, whether we've ditched some toxic relationships along the way. You know, it's, it's, uh, it is it is a life-changing experience, but it doesn't have to be a negative outcome. It can be a real positive experience as well. It's been great speaking with you, Justine Laidlaw. Really interesting. And uh, I'm sure our audience, uh, I mean, you're going to get some inquiries, some emails will come through, I guarantee it. <laughs> so you're ready for that. You're used to that. So thanks for coming on RCR and talking about radical remissions. Really interesting. Thank you, Paul. I really appreciate, you know, being have the opportunity to, to inspire others, you know, that we can do this. Justine Laidlaw from The Natural Bird, holistic health coach. And we were mainly talking about radical remission in cancer on Reality Check Radio. RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio.